Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we trod the boards 1d6 soliloquies at a time. Or is it tread the boards? Anyway, on today's episode, we're going to be discussing Theatrics Presents, The Core Rules. It's a game from 1993 that is sort of a movie-style LARP guide that avoids dice but allows for them and has a lot of flowcharts and... You know, honestly, this one is really hard to sum up without just resorting to expletives. So let's just fucking goddamn get the shit-ass butt fart to it on today's System Mastery. Hey, John. Hey. You know, before we get started today, you know how sometimes people pay us like $75 and we go and read them an ad online? Yeah, sometimes. Right here on the show? Not online. That would be dumb. Yeah, we read them an ad online. Online. We, we, we uh, open up a chat window and we're like, tapity tapity tap, here's your ad. Yeah, we go on Discord, we get into a chat room and we're like, hey, let me read your ad to you. Let me just read it right back to you, the person who purchased this. This, this is the, obviously you're your own best customer. Oh yeah, well it, it's it's a kink thing. 100% penetration rate on this one. It will definitely reach the ta- the target audience. <laughs> And moderate penetration, too, which, as you probably know, is my favorite kind. Oh, oh shit, wait. That's later in the show. Fuck. Oh, no. Oh, they felt, they've seen behind the curtain. Oh, God. Anyway, we have one of those abort. today. <laughs> <laughs> abort. Abort. Start over. <laughs> no, it's okay. We have, a, we have an app we're going to read today, and I'm going to do it real quick. So here we go. If you've been listening to System Mastery, by now you already know that Rifts makes about as much sense as a screen door on a battleship. But you may not know everything that's bonkers about it. Collecting literally everything that's weird, dumb, or just outright terrible about Rifts in one place is probably not physically possible, but Aaron Clooney and Julian Kay have teamed up to write Back to the Rifter, a 174-page book going over the original 1990 Rifts rulebook to give a detailed, mocking, page-by-page review, dipping into other Palladium books where necessary to make sense of things, or just if it's funny, and insights gleaned from talking to people in the industry. Wow. Oh, I know, that's crazy. What what what, a, what an interesting idea! Yeah, <laughs> I have to assume it's perfectly legal. It's just parody work. Oh yeah, yeah, it's that's perfectly that's fantastic legal and a thrill. Additionally, there's an in-depth criticism of the game's Nazi apologia, which yes, yeah, kind of a bit of it. If if uh, skulls were swastikas, <laughs> then hobos would ride. <sighs> um, it's worse than you think, and we have brought receipts to break things up. A book. Uh, Excuse me. To break things up a bit, the book also has a bunch of asides with random tables, humorous lists, and a Gygaxian number of appendices, including the Glitter Skull racial character class and playbook, so you can finally play as the game's mascot, and Magic and Missiles, a fully playable one-page RPG. You can find Back to the Rifter in both PDF and print-on-demand at DriveThruRPG. If you're interested in that kind of thing, feel free to check out the PDF. System Mastery was an important influence on this thing. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's, that, that sounds really cool. I'm going to go check it out. I, I, uh, I'm impressed at the moxie of writing a full book the size of Rifts to mock Rifts. Oh, yeah, that that's is uh, <laughs> great. And you know what? You could also go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com, use our link to drive through RPG, buy it through that, and then we win, they win, everybody wins. Yeah, it doesn't hurt their bottom line. They still make the exact same amount of money off that purchase, plus we make an extra chunk. Yeah, we so get a little bit of store credit to continue buying dumb garbage to review. So that's a hell of a deal. Once again, that was Back to the Rifter, available in both PDF and print-on-demand at drive through RPG. Uh, that is 
Super cool. I, I hope you go check it out. I, I wish both Aaron and Julian uh, a great success with that book. That oh, sounds, hell yeah. yeah that sounds I'm awesome. I'm going to use our store credit to get it. I don't <laughs> care. so fucking... Well, actually, I've spent quite a bit of it over the yes, past you year. Have. <laughs> uh, but, you know, for good cause, we had to... We couldn't read the same book for a year. Yeah. So we I, had to have PDFs. Yeah, we need a lot of PDFs, and I've been, I've been buying PDFs there. Yeah. Because it's free money. So, hey. It's free real estate. Free real estate. God damn it. All right. Back to the show. Hey, welcome back. It's me, your host, Jeff, joined, as always, by my very tired companion, John, who just seems to have had a time of it. How you doing there, John? Uh, I'm friendly and slow moving. <laughs> Thanks for noticing me. <laughs> I like to eat and rest. Uh, that's not true. You don't like anything. <laughs> oh, I like to eat and rest. <laughs> that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Would you like to uh, access my emergency Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Reserve? <laughs> Get some emergency Denny's. <laughs> Get to go need some emergency Denny's. You're gonna wind this one out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing more important than emergency Denny's. <laughs> yeah, normally it's just for when you're too drunk. Yeah, but sometimes there comes a time and you need emergency Denny's. Yeah, I think I think that time ends when you pass 35, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I don't need emergency Denny's. I just need to go the fuck home. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because if you got to the point where you would need emergency Denny's, you need emergency absolutely any place but where you currently are. <laughs> exactly. I just need to be out of this bad scene. There are too many teenagers here. <laughs> Someone has tried to get me drunk on the juice. Oh, no. I don't understand today's modern alcohols. <laughs> That's Damn, right. no good teens. <laughs> All these modern alcohols this day. <laughs> what is this? Hard kombucha, hard <laughs> spritzers. Honestly, I do kind of have a bone to pick with all the hard si or hard spritzers and seltzers and kombuchas, which is that stores don't know where to put them, so they're giving them the goddamn cider space. Yeah, well. Cider was my thing. It was my jam, and now there's only like one left, and it's always Angry Orchard. And half the time, it's Angry Orchard. You can either choose between one that tastes like wine or one that tastes like beer. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, oh, yes, fuck the you. rose or the hops. Yeah. If I wanted those, I'd drink wine or beer. Uh, anyway, nice angry day for me. Yeah. I'm all hopped up on angry juice because mm. all this TSR shit. It's been just so much fun to read about. Yeah. I know you've been you've been away from that. Uh, you know, I've seen it and I've been like, I you know what? Everyone else has got this. They don't need me. <laughs> Nobody needs my two cents on this dumb bullshit. I've seen a few people who have done the counter post where they've popped on and been like, you know, I don't like to highlight negative things. I prefer to let good things grow. And I'm like, why don't you just say, I don't have this problem. Goodbye. <laughs> this one won't affect me, a privileged person. <laughs> <laughs> You've taken the right tack, which is if you don't have the energy for it, that's great. That's fine. You've shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. yeah I exactly. have nothing to add here that yeah. makes any difference. Yeah, so that's that's commendable, and I commend you for it. Commendably yeah. so. <laughs> I'm not going to come on Twitter and be like, you know, as a straight white man. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me using the fingernail grab technique of being at least bisexual. <laughs> it's my ticket to the party that no one appreciates. <laughs> or believes. I'm like that kid who won the contest. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, we got to be nice to him, even though he's got no business being here. <laughs> okay, uh, so what else is going on? I know you recently picked up an 
unrecommend uh, and a not very well recommended board game for anyone but you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Picking up the fourth co- fourth edition of Twilight Imperium, which ooh man, it is. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's hot, and I may have found two different groups to play it with. I might play this game twice as much as I played third edition. I think I knew who one of your potential groups was pretty much off the bat. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure I know some of the people who are willing to play with it. Probably all of them, really. But uh, <laughs> certainly glad that you know it isn't me. Yes. No, <laughs> I don't want you there. Even if you were like, yeah, I'll play. I'd be like, please don't. No, I would not be good for it. And I know that. <laughs> I'd be like, this sucks. I'm, I'm going to do anything else. Yeah. I can't even make it three minutes into a game I don't care about without, like, turning on my computer and playing Slay the Spire quietly instead. Yeah, I know. So, of course you do. I, you're my confidant. <laughs> I know all about your secrets. <laughs> anyway, speaking of games I don't give a shit about, let's talk about Theatrics Presents The Core Rules, a 1993 kind of LARP junior uh, that is very weird. It's real bad. I mean, I guess, spoiler alert, this is a garbage game. But it's it's weird because when you start out with it, it's like, hey, we're trying to do things based on, like, cinema. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, that's not unheard of. You have certain things that are like, oh, we're trying to make specifically, like, Hong Kong action flicks, like, that's the thing we're going for. The whole cinematic take on role-playing isn't new. Yeah. And when they were like, we're trying to do a cinematic universal system, I was like, all right, okay, there are certain things that I can understand that would do that. We've even seen that once or twice. Maybe not completely universal cinema, but certainly, like, horror movie cinema exactly we, we've we've we, seen genre yeah. but this is the first one that's been like make any movie at all whatever. or a play it's a generic universal system yeah uh perhaps some sort of generic universal role play system perhaps some kind of i mean it's not it's not made by uh steve jackson games or anything it's made by something called backstage press and it's also the exact opposite of gurps in Pretty that much. it has no rules and doesn't matter about anything points wise i I do appreciate that at the very beginning during the like what is a role-playing section once you get past the usual oh it's an imagination game where you control all the pieces or whatever it does have a rundown of every kind of die and what they're used for and then right after that it goes why did we do this there are no dice in this game unless you want there to be yeah and (laughs) even then it's like "Eh, maybe there's some d10s (laughs) yeah uh it's very much uh from the opening, I would say I even have a note in my notes. It's just like, I'm 10 pages into this, and so far it's all just been waxing rhapsodic about the sheer joy of being an actor. Oh, yeah. I mean, you start reading this and you're like, okay, I get it. You've got to you gotta fill some page space with, with some you know movie things, and that's mm-hmm. fine. You want to get into the, like, oh, here's the terminology and here's all the reasons you'd want to do this. I'm like, okay, I get it. And then you keep going into it, and you're like, all right, well, this feels more like a DM advice section than anything. And you keep going, and it keeps saying, all right, we're going to do rules now. And then it doesn't. Yeah. And it just keeps doing DM advice <laughs> it's and all, it's waxing all rhapsodic about the acting experience. Yeah, there's so much of this book that's just like descriptions of the rapturous delight of when everything is going right. 
Oh, yeah. There's just, there's, it's so much. And it keeps going all the way to the very end. It's just like, and when things hit, it's just like that meme of the, what the fuck, when Pacha is describing when the sun hits his little hill just right. <laughs> you know, and you get that little mmm face. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much most of the book. It's just like every once in a while, the game will go perfect for a second, and you'll be like, damn, yeah. <laughs> good the game's going all right now the other thing it does tend to fill the space with is uh i, I don't want to just call it like unbound pretension <laughs> more or less like we there's right on page four of this book there is a straight up verbatim webster's defines yes there is <laughs> god damn it i was waiting i was absolutely certain that it would have like a when your players begin to act however let them know about Stanislavski. <laughs> like, oh, oh, shoot. Well, if you want some of that action, let me hit, let me hit you with their list of uh, the book's got like two pages of con- uh, of uh, credits, including a bunch of playtesters and so oh, on. Oh, yes, very appreciable. But there is a spe- there's a special thanks section, uh, which is pretty straightforward. There's a few names that I recognized in the special thanks, like Fossa Corporation and Greg Stafford, but they spelled his name wrong. <laughs> um, different Greg Stafford. Must no be relation. A, probably different Greg Stafford. Uh, but then Idols and Ideals is the, yes. the, the inspirations of the people who helped them think to write the book. Uh, B.F. Skinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buddha Head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll skip a few. Ganja Indica. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Uh, Gene Roddenberry. Ian Fleming. Lao Tzu. Miyamoto Musashi. <laughs> a cat. And something called Undercover Ska. I don't know what that is, but I want to be a part of it. <laughs> that last one. That last one's all right. That And that last one? Great. Uh, this one's good. If you're a member of Undercover Ska, cons- please consider us for membership. We will keep your secret. <laughs> we'll keep it undercover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one will pick it up, pick it up, pick it up from us. No one. <laughs> so anyway, that's that. That's what probably you're looking for. But yeah, they have, we get a Webster's defines of soliloquy on page four. And my favorite thing about the whenever anyone drops the Webster's defines in in any kind of media, they always include every little bit of it. Like, well, better include a pronunciation guide or else people won't think this is an actual Webster's Defines. Oh, yeah. Well, you have to. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, why are you even doing a Webster's Defines? Yeah. <laughs> and I love that we, it, between you and I at least, we have, that's a full tactic now. The Webster's Defines, which is when you're like, rather than participating in this argument like a grown-up, I am instead going to give you a simplified definition of one of the words from the argument and then cross my arms. <laughs> I'm the bigger man. <laughs> it's such, it's... It's both that and then also the, man, I have no idea what to write here. Yeah. This is filler. Honestly, this entire book is four pages worth of content put over an entire 120-page book. Yeah. And it feels like the equivalent of someone writing an essay and going, this book was very, 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 very... (laughs) Yeah, okay, I get it. Well, yeah, because there's like nine chapters and all of them are like, how do you do this thing? And then it'll be like 20 pages of, ah, yes, don't forget to check the flowchart. Now, when your players attach their sub-ideals to the heading of the Lacanian philosophy, anyway, let the director say what happens. The anyway, end. at the end of it is, uh, <laughs> the guy in charge says yes or no. That's every over chapter. Over and over again. All of them. Every chapter. I was just so happy to see the Webster defines that I was really kind of hoping there'd be an Earth 2 somewhere in the book as well. Earth to your readers? <laughs> just one of those would have made I my I hoped day. there would be an Earth 2. <laughs> yeah like a dc comics kind of thing that would have been nice yeah, I, yeah. Wa- I wanted some kind of other universe where there was a different flash <laughs> <sighs> and perhaps they intersect at some sort of point <laughs> anyway uh 
I don't even know how to get into the overall like the, the, the going from one page to the next of this book because it really feels more like reading a feeling. But why don't we just start by talking where the book does, which is just long descriptions of how to build like characters for a performance. Oh my god. The character creation in this in a game that is as we've mentioned, basically every rule boils down to uh, the director will just say whether or not you succeed. Yes. They're like, oh well you definitely have stats and skills. Don't you fret about that. We've decided this is going to be just like every other 90s role-playing game in every way, except for resolution systems. Yeah, so there are six stats that your character... There's a, Your character has a collection of what are called traits. Now, all the traits are weighted roughly the same in terms of importance. Six of those traits are always present, and they are the stats, basically. They, I mean, here, let's just say what they are. Strength, stamina, coordination, intellect, intuition, and presence. Now, if that sounds exactly like the D&D stat bar, but someone ran it through a synonym filter except for strength... Yeah, that's because that's what it is. Yeah. And by the way, guys, I don't know, might, brawn, vigor, robustness. Here, pick one. Take a prostitute. <laughs> Pulchritude. <laughs> Cojones. Beefiness. Hutzpah. <laughs> Take your pick, but don't just do strength and then every other one is a synonym. We, we, I know you just use the D&D stats. It didn't fool anybody. <laughs> no, no one is like, ah, how original. Intuition, you say. Let me read the description of that. Oh, it's how much wisdom someone has. Hmm. Mm, yes, friend. <laughs> now, those stats and most of the stats in the game will range in value between 0.0 and 10.0. The the uh, alpha and omega of stat have. Yeah. That's that's where they uh, they go to. Uh, notably, this game uses a... What do I want? What's the term I want to use? A scaled metric for what those stats represent based on what kind of world you're setting your story in oh yeah it's it's all relative yes so they want to say basically three on a scale of zero to ten is average human but that three is going to be relative depending on what your setting is so if your setting is like we're doing a romantic comedy or something then three is regular human and in strength a ten would be like oh i'm you know, a super ridiculous buff bodybuilder. I'm the world's strongest man, that kind of thing. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's The Rock, or whatever. Yeah. But if you're playing a supers game, a three would be a regular human, but a ten would be the Hulk now. Yes. So, ten and every basically everything that isn't a three will vary depending on what kind of feel you're going for. Yeah, now that that's what they say, but in practice, every time you look at an example that they provide, I think you can go ahead and say that zero through three are always the same. Yeah, because they've made this. They do this thing where they're like, "Oh, we're gonna re we're gonna scale it so that it's it makes sense, so that it fits in the campaign world that you're setting it in." That way you don't have to worry about your character having a strength of 10, even though he's the world's strongest man. And you look at the scale and the scale goes to 100. Then you're just going to feel bad. <laughs> so it's like there's no reason not to just do that. Set the scale super high and then put in granular caps based on what kind of world you're setting your game in. The benefit of that being that you get to provide concrete examples at each level of what that means. Um, oh, please. This game is not about concrete examples of I anything. Know. But to finish the thought here... They they provide a couple examples of stat ranges uh, in associate later in the book in association with genres. So there's one that's like pulp genre where it's like oh if you have a ten strength then you're pulling locomotives by a rope with your teeth, and if you have a zero you're an infant baby you're like two days old and I'm like okay 
I get where you're going with this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. There's never going to come a point in a game where the strength of a baby is important to the game. <laughs> Lift that cup, baby. I hope that baby's got the strength of a small boy instead, or we're all going to die. Oh, man. I hope that baby's got 0.5 strength. See, what I'm saying here is why bother with all this shit about bounding the cap when you're not going to bound the floor either? Meh. It's dumb. And the same thing goes, the next one is like, here's a superhero's thing. Here's a scale of how powerful shooting fire is, because you might make a superhero who can shoot fire. And at the very top is 10. It's like, you could use your fire to burn away a nuclear bomb before it even has a chance to explode. And at the zero is harmless fizzle of fire. And I'm like, don't put in, if it's a harmless fizzle, no one will take that trait. That is not a valuable addition to your game. That is useless. Now, if the game had a mechanic by which this these trait values could be raised and lowered on the fly, I suppose that would make some sense because you could be like, oh, I've been temporarily bereft of my powers by a power-removing beam, and it dropped me to zero, and I can do Jubilee Sparkles. <laughs> uh, but there's not that. So instead, it's just, we better put that floor at fucking worthless, and then meanwhile, work as hard as we can to make sure that the cap is always useful. Eh. Weird. It's just weird, John. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I'm going to take your your uh, your disinterest in this as a sign that you're tired and not the, uh, not a sign that you disagree with me. Yeah, I just don't care. <laughs> Everything made me mad here. Uh, I'm sure. That was not one. The fact that it was just like, yeah, we changed what 10 means relative to the system. I was like, fine. That's fine. It's so much sure. work. It's so much work for no good reason. Because it takes up like 25 pages of the book, and they just keep explaining it again. Yeah, well, they needed to take up some page space, and would you rather they just kept going, now, I'd like for all the actors here to please take the energy ball. Yes, because I was <laughs> skipping those sections. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime it was just like, okay, now for an improvisational exercise, I was like, I will see you in the rules again. <laughs> now remember... Don't be afraid for silence to linger. Sometimes that says the most. <laughs> it doesn't have that. Well, it does have actually a crap load of actor advice, but really the book is almost entirely written from the director's perspective. Yes. Who is the DM of the game. Uh, and you can tell it's written from their perspective because it routinely tells you to treat the players like just shit. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is an early 90s game. Yeah. But to, before we get to that, let's finish up with the character creation stuff. So you've got those six stats that range from 0 to 10. How do you determine what they are? Uh, you just write down descriptions of, of your character's like strength or, or uh, stamina or whatever it's called, uh, and then tell your DM those descriptions, and then they will write down a secret number on their, their vital chart of information about you. Yeah. Now, you're making a character... And you're going to make them such that basically you don't get to decide stat numbers. You're not like, oh, I have six stats and they all go, you know, zero to ten, so I'll put five points into strength or whatever. Mm -hmm. Instead, you have to describe each stat to the DM to be like, all right, how strong is your character? And you can't just go. Oh, he's pretty strong. That made me. So that was another thing that made me so. Uh, God damn it, John! Everything in this. Book. I know. I know it did. Yeah. And there's a section where it's like, how to describe strength? My character is big and tough and strong. Not good enough. No, you <laughs> must give a paragraph that's like, ah, yes, my character is built like a sumo wrestler, but with a lithe 
musletude that belies the strength of his speed. Well, the reason it made me mad wasn't so much that it was like, write more, which, okay, number one, that also kind of irritates me because this is a LARP game. How much shit do you need to write down? You can carry that shit around and people are like, how strong is this guy? You're like, ah, behold the sumo wrestler before you. What are we doing? Um, But also because the description they write is like, behold this sumo wrestler. He appears massive in frame, and yet he is not much of a power lifter. That said, it is almost impossible to shift him from a spot if he has chosen to stay there. And his his size uh, lies of a, 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 to you that he may be slow, when in fact he is crazy fast, and once he comes at you, you will be amazed by the speed of his approach. Full stop. And I'm like, okay, but not being moved is the stamina thing and being really fast is a coordination thing. Are, are you sure you that this is your description of his strength? Yeah, that's <laughs> the problem with the descriptions and all of this, of course, being, all right, well, you've decided to not have me be able to decide what my stats are. Mm-hmm. I have to just describe them to you. And there's no reason to not just be like, describe the strength. Oh, he is rippling with muscle and stronger than the strongest man. Yeah. He decides to bite rocks in half for fun and punches his way out of concrete buildings. Uh, what about his stamina? He is the hardiest man you've ever seen. He drinks poison because it's delicious. <laughs> and you're like, why don't I just tell you that my guy's a 10 in everything and then let you decide what the numbers are? I'm going to write down a four in everything and we're done. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh well, I hope we're in a relative area where that's what that means. Yeah. And sometimes the problem for me wasn't so much that the, uh, that writing down these long descriptions feels very pointless, which it also does. Uh, it's that the descriptions didn't make any fucking sense. And they told me nothing about the characters over and over and over again. Every time they provided an example, it'd be like, behold, Huang Tao Hai, uh, most noble of the monks. It is, it is his date that he shall he shall swim across that moat, climb that wall, and kill the governor's evil liaison. Oh no, he's been detected and they're dropping rocks on him. Ooh, that looked like it hurt. We must away. Poor Wan Tower Low. Yeah. And then th- it tells you at the end, anyway, this is a description of his stamina. Yeah, you're like, I'm sorry. That's terrible. And if anyone asks me, hey, what's your stamina? I'm not going to read this short story to them again. I'm going to go, pretty good. <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't describe his stamina at all. Oh, I yes, mean, it if, does, if because it, he has to swim across a river mm-hmm. and climb up a building, and then he gets hit with rocks and falls and survives. <laughs> so it's good. It ends before he falls and survives. They're dropping rocks on him. They look like they hurt. Let's go. That's where it ends. If it described it as they're dropping rocks on him and the rocks do nothing, or they drop rocks on him and he falls but is unhurt. I'd be like, okay, I kind of well, get no, it. No, because it, it does hurt, which means he's not at like a 10 stamina. <laughs> it still tells me almost nothing. Well, yeah, that's the problem of if I tell you, uh, what's your coordination? Uh, my guy is quick of hand and sharp of eye. When he draws his gun, his bead is true. And even the sun's glint cannot change his ability to shoot. You're like, okay. Is that an eight? Is that a nine? What is that? What does that mean to you? Is that a seven? Is it a ten? Who the fuck knows? I guess I'll never know because it's secret information. For you see, a person does not know how strong they are. And I'm like, yeah, but an actor knows how strong their character is. Oh, yeah. That is that, that is one of the core 
failures of this and a lot of other structures that are written about how to play as a movie character is they they expect that your players aren't you know <laughs> instead of being the actors they assume that you are watching the movie as the players yeah so you don't get to know what the big reveal is going to be or whether or not your character can survive a thing because you're supposed to be surprising them just yeah. like the audience you're not arnold you're the terminator is pretty much where they're at. And the Terminator doesn't know how strong... Well, the Terminator probably does know exactly how strong oh, yeah. he is. Maybe not the best example. Perhaps not. May, okay, you're not Sigourney Weaver, you're Ripley. How about that? Is that there, there we go. There we I go. I don't think she has a robo-brain. Not until the fourth one. <laughs> yeah, and that fourth one where she's got a robo-brain. Well, I mean, she's a, cl- a robo-clone or something in the fourth one, right? She's not a robo-clone. Is she just a clone? Just I thought a clone. She was a, I thought she was a, 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 a bishop-style cyborg or something. Nah. It's not like she gets cut open, so... Okay. <laughs> regular clone i mean she has to be regular clone doesn't she because she has a tummy with an alien in it yeah okay all right never mind (laughs) it's not like when the alien pops out there's a bunch of oatmeal so okay we're up i'm up to speed we're fine she doesn't have a robo brain (laughs) Uh, yeah but But, that's that is an issue that i think you see not only in games like this where they're trying to be like oh we want to do you know cinematic stuff but we're not going to we're going to treat the gm like a director but not the players like actors yes but you also get that, honestly, in a lot of games that people run, mm-hmm. where they're like, ooh, I want to tell this story, but I can't let my players know anything about it. And you're like, man, if you want to tell that story, you better let your players know probably a lot of it so that they're on board, or else you're going to have those situations that everyone goes on Twitter to complain about, this where is- they're like, oh, I wanted my players to go north, and they went south instead. You're like... Yeah, did you tell them that the game was north? No, you just gave them four directions and they chose wrong? Not Fuck te- you. Not telling players anything is what role-playing is. Ugh. So this is a thing, I, I think it's definitely very much a personal opinion that both of us happen to share that a lot of our, not even just our listeners, but of course a, a large portion of the role-playing game community at large won't, won't agree with us on. But when I see this stuff, all I think is it's teaching people not to trust their their friends and players. Yeah, if that, that's all it is. It's just like, don't tell them their strength. They'll abuse it. And they're like, well, how do you know they'll abuse it? I mean, you're all together to do the same thing, right? You're all there to tell a collaborative story using these role-playing game tools. Why don't you trust that your players will work with you Oh yeah, at all? And the thing is, again, especially in a game like this where you're talking about like, oh, everyone has to whole cloth, no numbers, just create a character and tell you what the character is like. They're telling you when they make that character, this is the type of things I want to do, this is what I'm going to be good at, Mm -hmm. this is the stories that I want to tell. And if you then go, yes, but I decide whether or not that happens, that's bullshit. If I come to you and tell you I've made the Hulk and you're like, yeah, but I decided that actually the Hulk's strength is a five instead of a ten because I don't like you very much. Another thing I liked here... um and I know we've fallen way off the margin of just basic character creation, but there's a be- in the beginning of the character creation section, there's a little bit of advice that it provides that's like, hey, when you're making your character, try to think outside the box. <laughs> S- stiff-necked heroes may get all the girls. I'm like, all right, so first of all, don't self-select for what people are inter- interested in. <laughs> I know it's just a, it's a statement of fact, but, but uh, LARPs don't make a whole lot of sense when they're about getting the girl because you've got a lot of players and they all need to feel like they're at least a little bit the protagonist. Yeah. Uh, but 
Consider some other options beyond your standard straightforward hero. Perhaps a coward who learns to be brave, or a, a, a ugly Hulk who harbors a secret heart of gold. And I was like, oh, thank you for those great ideas. How outside the box. Who has ever thought of those two concepts before? My goodness. <laughs> Strange and wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I know this is 1993, so maybe some of the current examples don't exist, but I feel like the thing was created in, like, 1964, <laughs> and I'm sure he is the definition of an ugly lump with a heart of gold, so... I mean, we've got Quasimodo here. Yeah. I don't know who you want to go with with a coward who learns to be brave, but good lord, there's a lot of them. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the other traits are all uh, various types of either skills, which... I, okay. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to eat some crow here, John. You know how I'm always complaining that skill sections end up being way too long because the authors feel like they need to tell me what fucking cooking is? Mm -hmm. Here they don't. There's just a fucking one page that's got 50 skills on it, and every skill is just in a different font. Well, yeah, because this game is a generic thing, and the rules in here are just decide what you want skills to be for your setting. Yeah, you need to know which skills are relevant to your settings and which are not. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we're going to put out a bunch of books that are setting guides mm -hmm. for theatrics. So you can be like, uh, I mean, the first one they have in there is, of course, Hong Kong action kung fu movies. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, and we'll have a list of what skills are probably going to be relevant to that setting. Mm -hmm. And they just tell you, you know, decide whatever you want. Yeah. Again, this book is nothing. It's just, what are skills? Whatever you want them to be. Fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, they're just another trait that ranges from zero to ten. Uh, they, if you, There's not that much to them. They're just traits. So in situations where you're like, we need someone who knows how to tie ropes, you can be like, well, I have, I know how to tie ropes. I have a written description about how I can, how I'm the rootinous, tootinous cowpoke, whatever done lived. <laughs> Uh, I, I once roped a tornado and rode it to school. Ah. So, you know, I know how ro how roping works. Uh, but beyond that, it still works the same way. You write down that description. The the uh, director writes down the actual number for you on a secret sheet of paper. You can choose to specialize. If you choose to specialize, uh, you say one aspect of that skill, let's say lassos. And now in any situation where um, you are up against a, a uh, another person who has the same skill, you win if you're doing something that's lasso related and you lose if you're doing something that's not lasso related. If you're tied. If you're tied. I said if you're tied. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all it does, though. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. That's all, that's all specializing. And the fact that you don't know what your number is or anyone else's number is. Yeah, it means that this is a, an unlikely situation. Notably, uh, the same way it works with every, with every score in the game, uh, every trait and descriptor, uh, you can just say you're doing whatever. You can walk in and be like, I'll rope use this situation. Uh, it doesn't, it, it's all director's whim, whether or not that does anything, unless you spend what are called plot points, the only currency in the game. Uh, if you spend plot points, then the thing happens. Yeah. Cause that's the only way as a player, you can decide this is a thing I want to happen in the universe. You get to spend a plot point and go, all right, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to rig a bomb to explode when, you know, the bad guy comes through the door. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, well, normally I would just tell the director that, and they'd go, well, you certainly think you've done that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, you've rigged an excellent bomb. Little does he know. Yeah, now you can go, uh, I ring a bomb that explodes when the bad guy comes in through the door, and I spend a plot point so that, indeed, it will only explode when the bad guy comes in through the door, you dick. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't want to call the director a dick in this situation, but it really does feel like for all the time they talk, they spend talking about genre purity and how to make a movie the right way and all that. It, it feels like every bit of director advice is be higgledy piggledy and random. They won't see it coming. And I'm like, they shouldn't see it coming. Movies aren't higgledy piggledy and random. <laughs> yeah, the again, early 90s problem of, hey, this is a game where you've got someone who's in charge of everything. Yeah. Make sure your players are on their toes constantly. Yeah. Never let them get comfortable telling a story. So after the skill section, there. by the way, there's no point t- totals or anything here. You just write down descriptions based on what you want your character to be. You can have as many skills as you feel like writing down or as many as the director tells you to write down. Yeah. Uh, there's also some suggestions for how to do this all randomly, but they're towards the end of the book and very skippable. The next section is descriptors. Uh, these come in two types, <sighs> merits and flaws. Yep. They're not called that, but that's what they are. Uh, you just write down true things about your character. Uh, stuff like, my character is a whiz with a gun, or my character is uh, a, a bear, actually. Just a real bear. Just an actual four-wheel literal bear. Or, and then flaw ones where you're like, my character can't resist a puzzle, or something like that. Like, uh, my character lost an eye to a raging bear. That mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, that bear. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, so... Again, you just write down crap about your character. It's just that they aren't skills and they're not descriptions. They're just truisms about your character. Uh, Again, if you want them to do anything, you can always just say, well, my character's the fastest gun in the West. And the DM will be like, yeah, well, I don't... Uh, Director. Maybe I'll give you a plus one on shooting. Uh, Yeah, I'll just... I don't know. You'll never know what that means unless you spend plot points. And then it's true that you are. Yeah. Flaws, the way they work is you can invoke the flaws in exchange for a plot point. If you do that, then your flaw becomes a relevant hindrance in the scene, according to the DM's evil little whims. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, And then, I think that's all of the descriptors to character creation. I mean, pretty much. It is just, hey, write down between a long sentence and a short story for every single thing that you want to do. None of that matters. The DM has written everything down in numbers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He will never again ask you to recite the little poem you have written for your stat because he just put down four. Yeah. Uh, Dream sequences are a thing that happens in this game I wanted to talk about because they happen during they're they're described during the character creation section for some fucking reason. Uh, There's a couple examples of different types of event that might occur in the character creation section, like flashbacks and voiceovers and you know movie things yeah dream sequences is one of them and the reason i wanted to highlight them is uh that they open by saying the player doesn't need to know that this is a dream sequence they never need to know until they wake up and i'm like again i know i'm gonna harp on this point a lot over the course of this episode but you would have a better time and tell better stories if you brought your players in Yes. It, it It's just that simple. If you tell your player you're about to play a weird dream sequence, please lay on the crazy. They're going to be like, oh, cool. I, I love that kind of shit. I'm going to do some red, uh, some red room shenanigans straight out of uh, uh, Twin Peaks or whatever. I'm going to play along with you as opposed to being confused and irritated. Oh, yeah. Because if you go, oh, you go into the room and your stepfather is there, but he's four feet taller than normal with horns, then the player's going to be like, what the fuck is what why instead of going my god you demon like and going along with it like they were in a dream yeah exactly you want your players to have the buy-in you don't give that you don't get buy-in out of your players by constantly lying to them and keeping secrets from them and 
by God, John, this game has a rule in it called blackmail. Yep. Where you blackmail the players by lying to them about things they can accomplish and then demanding more plot points to accomplish it. Oh, yeah. I mean, this game has in its resolution section where it's like, oh, your players will never know whether or not you've decided that they succeed or not unless you tell them. Perhaps they think they've managed to bypass the alarm, but really they haven't? They won't know until the guards show up. You're like, don't just... Fucking quit being an asshole to your players. Just tell them what the game is. Just be like, guys, we're going to roleplay fucking Princess Bride. We don't need to, you don't need to guess whether or not the Holocaust cloak scene works. (laughs) Yeah. You don't need to be like, okay, well, it seems like they're afraid, but maybe they're just luring you in. Yeah. And then you walk in, they're like, now fire. They've fallen for our reverse counter Holocaust cloak trap. You're like, oh, good. This makes the movie suck. So, ah, hooray! <laughs> Just like a movie. <laughs> you know that part in the Princess Bride where the where the giant and an ego die. You know, for no reason, <laughs> in a dumb part, just in a random joke part of the movie, they die because the director thought it'd be funny to lie to them. <laughs> Plus, I mean. The the uh, the the counter example. What would happen if you just brought the players in? I, I keep thinking about it. and It's such funny scenarios. If you're like, all right, you're playing Romeo and Romeo and Juliet, and the players like, okay, I got this. The last minute he goes, I'm not going to drink the poison. That's for suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your story. Woo. Peace out. I'm going to have sex with Juliet. You're like, don't. What? What? Th- th- no one's going to do that. That's that's a wild idea. And if they do, it's going to be a really fucking funny moment, and it will have been worth the time and that's the thing is you're more likely to have that happen if you don't bring them in because if you're not like hey guys we're telling a tragedy where you know i think the overall arc is this and they get to the end and they're like oh man i'm not gonna drink that poison i'm gonna pretend i drank it and hope for the best yeah i'm gonna like, write a secret note on the bottle that says juliet don't drink this wait till the apothecary leaves <laughs> <laughs> then we're gonna bone in this mausoleum or whatever we wherever we're supposed to be yeah because if you don't bring your players in and they're not bought into what you want to do, that's when they do stuff that's going to make you angry because they didn't do what you wanted them to do. Yeah. Dear God, do you know how you acquire buy-in from people? <laughs> you ask for it. That's all. Jesus. You present something cool and then you get their interest. <laughs> uh, okay. Now... Skill descriptions, uh, there's an examples of those, of course, if you want to know how to write a skill so that you can kind of get an idea. There are three of them. Uh, they, they use three descriptions. Unfortunately, they're not in the same skill. They, they provide three examples of, of how to write skill descriptions. A six in gunfighting, a four and a half in detective, and a three and a half in finance. Great. Uh, ultimately, these are useless because all three of them make the character sound like they're a prodigious badass in whatever the skill was. Huh. And there's no sense of scale. If it had been like a, a six in finance, a four in finance, and a three in finance, then you'd get kind of an idea of what those numbers mean. But six in, his, six in gunfighting is like, I can shoot a smiley face onto a piece of paper at 20 paces. A four and a half in detective is, I know so much about the human mind that I know that the passwords are always found somewhere around their desk. Here it is. And the three and a half in finance is wait until the day after tomorrow to invest. That way you'll make an additional quarter point over what you're going to make now. I'm a financial genius. You're like, okay, but what? what what's the difference? What What would a four? How, and- is, 
How is that a, a four versus a five versus a six? I don't. Well, I don't. There's none no, of this makes sense. None of this is concrete. None of this. If it had been, if it had been three descriptions of how shooting works, you would have told me anything at all. Yep. And that's that's one of the biggest problems with this game is wanting you to be descriptive in how you make your stats or skills or anything like that, which isn't an issue. Mm-hmm. Like I'm fine if you want to have like. No, give me give me an idea of what it looks like in practice. That's okay. But when you don't also know what that number is personally, mm-hmm. it's hard to get a feel for anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ultimately, it feels like they tried to provide the tools for the DM to keep secrets from the players, but then didn't even provide the tools for the DM to know what the fuck is going on. Oh, yeah. The director. The director throughout this entire book is just given leeway to say whatever the fuck they want because there is no concrete way to determine anything yeah the only possible uh uh, solution to that for is the plot point mechanic whereby you can spend plot points to make true things happen and there is a section in here for like what happens if the player spent plot points to do the opposite of what you wanted and usually it's like just roll it back around to what you wanted anyway just yeah. just uh oh well what you do is all the things they wanted happen but secretly yeah just just keep on keep it on the railroad it doesn't matter if they spend those points or not <laughs> uh there are a few more things about character creation that we should probably get into uh one of them is uh personality traits personality traits are just write down personality elements to your character like i'm angry or i'm compulsive or i'm kind and then divide them up into moderate se- strong and severe yeah and all that means is is uh, in situations where you're like, I'll you can invoke them to to accomplish tasks. You can be like, I'm so angry that I'm going to make that door work. Uh, that kind of thing. You can. It, I'm per- so calm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to make that door work. I'm so calm that I win this argument. <laughs> uh, um, and then finally, primary descriptor was another thing that we probably uh, it, most when you're playing, you should choose one of the descriptors that you wrote down about your character and say that it's your primary descriptor. It is the thing that most defines you as a character in, in the story. Uh, the only rule is no two people. This is the only difference between a primary descriptor and any other descriptor. No two people at the table can have the same primary descriptor. Ah, yes. <laughs> Famously, no two characters are ever similar in any movie. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I kind of get it because it's very rare that two characters in the movie are identical. I mean, unless you've got 12 angry men, then they're all pretty angry. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I don't know that I'd want to LARP out 12 angry men. I, to me, I was thinking about the later Fast and the Furious movies where they already had a tech guy and then they added a second and third tech people. Yeah. Where they like added Natalie Emmanuel as an additional computer person and now a, th- a third computer person. And, and it, it's like... You, you're not killing off your characters, so there's just three computer experts. I guess maybe they have different primary descriptors, like Tej's primary descriptor is still some car or, or bravado thing, or Natalie Emmanuel, whose character's name I have sadly forgotten. It's like, it, it's something Egyptian. I remember that much. I don't know shit about uh, them. Um, it is it, it, full on just computers. Like, I, I, I do machines or something like that. Uh, so, but. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if you look at the main characters, let's pick a shitty movie at random. Double Dragon, Billy and Jimmy Lee have the exact same motivators in that movie. They want to beat up the bad guys and win. Yeah. And I they mean, both know Kung Fu. It's it's weird because you can be like, ah, yes, what's your main descriptor? I'm a cool, snarky dude. And you're like, oh, no. What if I'm in a Marvel movie? Now everyone is a cool, snarky dude. 
<laughs> you got to be more specific. I get. I mean, I get it. I understand why it's there. It does make a lot of sense from from a. I mean, it makes a little sense in as much as anything in this game makes sense because. Uh. Frankly, it doesn't matter what your primary descriptor is because you're allowed to have it as your secondary descriptor. So if someone's like, I took cool snarky dude as my primary descriptor, you can be like, fine, fuck it. I switch robot man to my primary and cool snarky dude to my secondary and we're still identical. Who gives a fuck? It (laughs) doesn't change anything. It's not like if you have that as your primary descriptor, it has to be higher than everyone else's rank in that same thing. That's not a rule. So, uh... Okay, so um, I, I get that's character creation. You want to get into these things, I say, in a, in a in non-visual medium, is I hold up a stack of flow charts that the game came with. Yeah, so when you get through the initial stuff of like, oh, you're making a character and you're doing your descriptions and then you've got to decide, like, what's the setting you're going to have and all of that. When it starts to get into okay, but how do you play this game? And where other systems would say like, all right, you know, here's how combat works and here's how social deduction works and all that. Mm -hmm. This game instead just gives a flow chart to the director. Yes. So it's like, ah, is someone attempting to hit someone? Well, is their hit stuff better than the other person's? And it just sort of goes down this whole list, but even in the book itself, it goes through an entire, like, 20-page combat thing of, like, well, this is how you might want to do it. And then at the very end, it's like, but, you know, just say whether or not they do. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. There's a whole thing where it's, like, it, it, the combat section is impressive. I'll set the flow charts down for now. The combat section is impressive because it opens with, like, hey, this is some real shit. Combat's never a great idea because someone always gets hurt and it can mess up the flow of what you're trying to accomplish. So if your players are like, hey, we're really early in the story. Let's get into a bar fight. Make sure you warn them over and over again. And, in fact, the first item on the flow chart is called try to limit the damage to suit the lesson. Uh, it, it, so... Make sure they know not to get in that bar fight because they might get seriously hurt. And I'm like, I thought you were making a movie. Yeah. What I- movie do you have where that's like, oh, a low stakes bar fight happens with our heroes? Oh, well, one of them got dead and another one got like slashed through the arm. And like, what fucking movie are you making? Did you make the movie badly? What does that mean? What does it look like if you're like, oh, uh, you know, in the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, they all die in that prison. Yeah, they try and uh, do well, a prison riot, but try, it turns out they all, three of them die and one of them gets maimed. James Gunn turned in a 20-minute movie and a written apology. He was like, sorry, I directed it wrong. I didn't tell the actors what to do, and they did this, and it was stupid, so they died. Yeah, well, Rocket tried to get someone's leg, and I thought that was dumb, so he died. I, I'm sorry, I meant to say Bradley Cooper tried to grab someone by the leg. <laughs> And I was like, you don't know what Rocket's strength is. That was a mistake. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> look at look at you. You're a raccoon. You can't hold that gun up. <laughs> You've got the strength of a human baby. <laughs> God damn it. I just, it's so, if there's an early fight in a movie, it's not so that your characters can get fucked up. It's so that you can learn stuff about them. That's the point of early fights. The climactic fights towards the end, or even in the middle and the ends of the movie, sure, you can start being introducing stakes, but if you're doing like, hey, we're opening this movie on a barroom blitz, it's so that you can learn that one of the characters fucking love, loves barroom blitzes, another one takes fights too far, one of them is a coward, 
One of them has a crush on another one, so they save them from a dangerous thing. They don't come out of it with a bunch of fucking broken bones that ruin the rest of the story. No, it's a character study of like, oh, this person's hitting someone else with a bottle and has a big grin on his face. Meanwhile, the other guy's behind the bar just taking as many free drinks as he can. Yeah, great. We're establishing character. Exactly. That's the point. But this book's like, hey, combat's dangerous. Don't let your players get into combats if they don't mean it. And you're like, no, hey, movies it's off. it's the early 90s and we've decided <laughs> combat should be deadly and brutal. I only know one kind of role-playing game and here it is. <laughs> I've said it's something different, but it's not. <laughs> God damn it. There's like five kinds of damage in this game and five severities of damage. Oh, yeah. So they're like, oh, well, maybe instead of just telling someone you've taken moderate penetration damage, mm -hmm. instead tell them that, oh, the dagger has pierced your flesh and it hurts, but you can put a hand on it and continue going. You're like... That means nothing to them or anyone else. Who you know what means something to me on a personal level? Moderate penetration. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good moderate penetration. I enjoy moderate penetration on the weekend. <laughs> and sometimes on Wednesday. <laughs> if I'm feeling saucy. <laughs> yeah, there's all these like wound levels and so on, but mostly they boil down to can you keep going and that's it. There's not like there's a hit point track or anything. No, which again makes me feel like, all right, so, what's the difference between, like, a moderate and a severe when neither one of them does anything? <laughs> There's a, the uh, list of... Okay, so, all the flowcharts work based off a series of difficulty examples that range from easy to impossible. Yeah. Um, easy is... They always come up with examples. And, and I'll give you the fencing examples for easy and impossible because they're on one of the reference charts. Easy is a quick thrust to the midsection or a strong beat against the opponent's blade. And impossible is removing a button from your opponent's tunic. Mm. Now, can you try an impossible task? Of course. You can even succeed at impossible task because all it is is the... Uh, director sets a difficulty and then compares your stat value against it. And if they're not in the mood to do that, they just say whether or not you did it. They don't even look at, they don't have to look at the stats. Yeah. Um, notably making it impossible to cut the a button off someone is like, but that's what cool fencers do in movies. That's, yeah, that's like, that's a cool fencing that, move that you would do. That's a fucking Zorro thing. That, that shit happens in movies all the time. Yeah. I was going to say, you're like, what's an impossible move? Oh, carving a letter into someone's shirt without stabbing them. And you're like, then what the fuck are you talking about? If I'm making a movie about Zorro, don't say that's impossible. He, that's literally all they do. He makes the sign of the Z. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> so angry. Yeah, no, it, it's weird that they're just like, oh, we're going to take genre conventions from the type of movies that you're thinking about and then just say that the things that people do with those movies are impossible. And you're like, okay, I kind of get that because that's, I mean, this isn't a licensed game by any stretch of the imagination, but it suffers from that same weird licensed movie pro or game problem where they're like, the people in the movies do shit that you can't even dream of, scrub. It's, it's so weird because I feel like what they really should have done is put a, like, at least a caveat next to it and go, this is for fencing in, you know, a movie about people with guns or brawling. Because it's not about fencing. If you're making a Zorro movie, 
removing the button from someone should probably be a, like a difficulty two instead of ten. Yeah, because that's a thing you do. And even then, it'd be like, okay, if I make if I'm making a fencer in a gunfight movie, it's because it's something special about that character. If you're like, oh, it's John Wick Ford, what do you know? There's a fucking fencer in it. You're like, yeah, that guy's gonna be a crazy, impossibly good fencer because he's competing in a gunfight movie. Yes, that's that that's the point. Even in a Zorro movie, there's usually only like two fencers. There's Zorro and there's Zorro's bad guy. Maybe his love interest does some Zorro, fencing on the side. Evil Zorro. Yeah, that, and those are the only fencers. Everyone or else Oz, as he's known. <laughs> Everyone else has six shooters because it's cowboy times. Indeed. It's weird that he's a fencer. That's why he's so neat and good at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's a, a chart that show that compares these difficulties against the the uh the stat ranges, the the trait ranges. Oh yeah. Uh which is just hilarious it's got like 12 possible one word results that tell you oh gosh just a surprising amount like for example what if you tried to to take your baby like strength against an impossible strength challenge why that would result in crunch ah uh, yes crunch that that's very helpful to me so if i was trying to punch a guy with my baby strength and they were made of stone the result is crunch does that mean I, I crunched them? They got crunched. No, I, I crunched. I, I think it's supposed to mean that you got crunched. I don't know. Also, uh, that doesn't help. Like that's an, at least an example that sort of makes sense. I'm like, I take my baby coordination and try to pick a lock. Crunch, crunch. What <laughs> the fuck are you? What? <laughs> what if you try to use your baby-like intuition against a easy challenge? Why that would result in hmm. Ah, yes. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what I want to know. If something is resolved or not, I always like it when the game tells me, I don't know. <laughs> it was just, I'm going to run through the list real quick here in in order, I think, because I can't tell for sure. It's a very weird distributed resolution chart. Uh, it, it's a it's a, you know, X, Y axis grid. But here's the tw- the the, uh, the the list of resp- possible responses. Crunch. Ouch. Whoa. Duck. Uh, close. Almost. Maybe. Uh, okay. Hmm. Hmm is over okay? I think. I don't know. Fucking this game. Uh, yes. Excellent. Boss and righteous. So that last little section does let you know what year this game came out. But also the problem <laughs> I have here is having whoa below is I'm like, but if you have boss and righteous, whoa should be up there with those as good things. I also really appreciate Duck. Just it, It's definitely a failure. It's like the fourth worst thing you can get. But imagine using it in most situations where you're like, well, I'm going to attempt to use my presence role to convince the uh, the local town magistrate to uh, to you know revise his orders to uh, on r- regarding a water distribution issue. Duck! Like, oh, he takes a swing at you. Take a, take a swing at me? It, it, what, what's the difference between him taking a swing at me and, and whoa, which is also on the same like difficulty? Oh, yeah. What, what, what happens does then? Duck mean if I'm trying to use my intuition, intuition. to solve a Sudoku? I, huh? I mean, uh, it's funny to think about that because you're like, okay, well, if it says duck, it's because like, oh, you solved the Sudoku and you're like, wait a minute, only the penitent man kneels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the blade goes by over your head. But if you succeed, yeah, I guess you just do the Sudoku or the, the blade's like, no, nah, you're cool, bro. <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> you seem pretty penitent. <laughs> <laughs> And what's the difference between excellent and boss and righteous? I just can't. The And why is one of the results 
maybe with a question mark. Look, I came into looking at your dumb chart with maybe on my mind. That's that's why I'm at the chart. Because if I already knew yes or no, I would have said yes or no. I'm coming here to figure out, well, I wasn't certain. What does the chart say? Maybe. Well, hey, go fuck yourself. I already thought maybe, which is why I'm here. Half the answers are just ask again later. I should just have a magic eight ball (laughs) instead of this chart and go, hey, does this guy succeed? Shake a shake a shake a. Ah, definitely, yes. Great, you did, shake a shake Ask again later. Oh, I guess you might not. So you may wonder, that chart sounds kind of non-scientific. It's just a uh, cross-reference chart between the stat ranges and the five difficulties. Uh, and it's full of just words that don't tell us much. But I want you to know a lot of science and work went into that chart. It's really important that you know that. Uh, how much science and work? Why? For those of you interested in statistics or interested in why we use the double entendre of mean result chart, it's because the die roll distributions we used are actually perfect normal curves, calculated off z-scores with means ranging from 0.0 to 6.0 at 0.5 intervals, using values ranging from 1 to 6, all with standard deviations of 1.82. Therefore, each die roll distribution represents a normal curve with a mean set somewhere along the continuum from total fail to perfect success. The cross-index of skill ranks versus difficulty chooses the mean, and the D100 roll picks a randomized point along this distribution, and there you have it. (laughs) Micro-machines. Should I speed that section up and post it? I forgot to mention there's even there there is in fact a D100 result chart across the top of the sheet to I guess you can randomly roll how difficult a challenge might be. I mean <laughs> I don't know for sure. I think the random roll is to get a random result from it. Mm, okay. Because you'll just be like, "All right, go to the it's sort of like the uh the Marvel superheroes." Oh, here you go. Yeah, axis. okay. Yeah, because what it what it can be is uh they show you a random, there's there's multiple ways to read the chart, with one of them being a random roll check, and the other being a, uh, based on the action capability chart, versus the mean result chart, which is if you just want to do a cross-reference between difficulty and, yeah. and okay, alright. Okay, sure, why not? Of course, I even wanted, then, if I roll and get maybe, it didn't do anything. Well, yeah, and all this work where they're like, we worked out the mean distributions in an interval of 1.82, that's the difference between ouch and crunch. What? Okay, I feel like if you wanted to use that much math, you should have had some results that made that meant anything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they even have a thing where they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, here's a result. If you get this, then boom, crash. See you later." That's true. And you're that's like, one of the diff- that's one of the results for taking damage. What does that mean? <laughs> I Am think it's, I getting boom crashed? Are they getting boom crashed? Well, one that is that is almost verbatim one of the results for dead via explosion. <laughs> Just boom, crash, a hole goes in the wall. Because uh, one of the difficult, one of the wound ranges is dead. Yes, and you're not dead if you're dead. Uh, you're only mostly dead. Uh, you can you can still recover from dead, but the player doesn't know they can recover from dead. Uh, that's up to the director. It, but it will certainly take a long time. And doing more actions, forget about it. Okay. Um, how do you earn the plot points? Because we're running out of time here. I think that might be a good thing to kind of. Well, I mean, we already mentioned about. Using your negative trait things being a hindrance. That's one of the three yep. ways. Uh, there are two other potential ways to earn the plot points. Uh, one, As John mentioned, one of them is allowing for flaws, uh, and the other is accepting subplots, which is get, uh, going off the main story 
into a branch that that tells you more about your character and it might inflict some hindrances or problems on you but you're going to get some sub point or some plot points out of it uh, so it's always worth it to go do them because you need those plot points to finish the mission. Yeah. Oh, we're doing a heist, but my ex-girlfriend is in town and I've got to go try and make amends. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's the metric by which you earn plot points uh, using a flaw to or allowing a flaw to activate a plot point. All it does is add one to the calculation of how many plot points you earn after completing a subplot. There are several other ways to earn them. Uh, those extra points, including that it is part of the main plot, actually, uh, or that it's a long-term subplot that took a while, or if it's a personal, then you add one to the matrix of, uh, of check. Otherwise, it is, there are four potential measurements of a plot, of a subplot, uh, in intricacy, uh, severity, hardness, that kind of, I don't even remember what all four of them are, and each one of them has a value of one to five that represents the possible complexity of those different rating factors. Oh, yeah. So what you do is, you take the total, you say, okay, well, it was an intric- intricacy two subplot, a hardness three subplot, a complexity... Its cut was a four, the clarity was a five. Yeah, then you... And it was a princess cut. <laughs> then you add the those those ones I mentioned earlier that each had plus one. So you get like a two and a three and a five and a one. And then you're like, oh, but it was a long term. So I add a plus one and I use my flaw during it. So I add another plus one to the total. And then I average it based on the number of uh, or based by uh, based on the four ratings. You, you're adding stuff in, but those parts don't don't count for the purposes of average. So you you add all the numbers together and then divide by four. And that's how many plot points you get. Yeah. Okay. Um, You may think, wow, that can actually make a a couple of plot points. You can make as many as five or six plot points by engaging in one subplot. And the book's well aware of that because it's like, hey, by the way, watch out. Your players are going to end up with a lot of plot points, and that's going to let them do stuff. And doing stuff might fuck up your game. So let's talk about blackmail. (laughs) God. Uh, Sometimes you can be like, hey, guys, you think you can do this. Oh, you can't. Everyone needs to spend a plot point if you want to be able to do this. Ugh. Uh. And if everyone doesn't pointy up a plot point, they may still think they're able... Because here's a fun thing. Blackmail doesn't need to be well-spoken blackmail. You can be like, hey, everybody, in order to kill the evil general, everyone's going to need to spend a couple of plot points on this one. You understand? And if everyone's like, yeah, okay, I guess. Uh, but if you don't tell them, which is also a viable concern, you could just know in your head, if everyone doesn't spend two plot points each, this doesn't happen. And when you, right when they think they win introduce a ludicrous convenience or, or coincidence that saves the thing that they were trying to do from not being done. Great. Mm-hmm. I always love when I get ruined by n- unknown rules. Yeah. And again, it's one of those, I mean, harp, 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 I know, but it's one of those things you could have brought the players in on where you're like, Hey guys, you're going to fight the evil general. And at the end of the fight, you may think you're going to get him, but he's going to get away. Cause he has a rope to a hot air balloon or something. Work with it. It's cool. Oh yeah. I mean, just tell them, Hey, this is going to be a recurring villain. And then they go, great. Okay. Yeah. And then when you start going like, ah, he mo- monologues at you, you don't have someone immediately go, oh, I murder him while he monologues. So that way we don't have to worry about a fight. Yeah. Because if you let them know, hey, this is a cinematic thing. He's going to monologue at you. You'll get no fight. He'll get away. Then your players will go, oh, cool. I'd like to facilitate that. Yeah. So, yeah, th- this book just, I mean, to sum up for the most part, do you have other stuff you want to talk about in here? Not really. There's a whole bunch more in here. There's a whole section on how to build, like, genres and how to build uh, settings. I mean, mostly, I said 
at the beginning, but this book is like 90% just what would be the GM advice section of any other book yeah. is the entirety of this book because that's all that this game has is someone decides what they want to have happen and it happens. Mm -hmm. So they have to make the entire book advice for that one person. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I... <sighs> I feel like this game, and here's the thing. I want to I want to say that I'm fairly sympathetic overall to the concept, making a a simulator of a movie that's this trying this hard to hew close to how to build a movie is a really hard thing to do with a role playing game scenario because ultimately a movie is on rails and it, it has an, a beginning point and an end point and three or four major hit points it has to hit in the middle of the storyline. Yeah, you've got beats to hit. Yep. You've got to do certain things in certain orders. There's a reason why you can do that sort of thing without randomizing it you just make a play or an actual movie that'd be fun and you're still role-playing because that's what role-playing actually is playing a role it's a fun type of tickle it's a special thing where you know a horse is ready to be your friend <laughs> uh but but it, it's hard to do that and also work in the role-playing game tools but just like every other game we've seen that's like hey make a movie this airs on the side of make a role-playing game and it doesn't work yeah i think you know, the few times that you see a role-playing game based around cinematic ideas mm -hmm. that works is when they specifically take into account conventions. When they're like, yeah, if you're playing in, you know, a cowboy shoot 'em up game, shooting someone's belt buckle and having their, like, pants fall off shouldn't be a, you're never going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. It should be a thing that when your character says they do it, if it's appropriate for that to happen it just happens and it informs about your character yeah that's what you want if your character is a trick shooter you don't want to be like well trick shooting is impossible it was a shame you put your points into that because i'm only going to give you a six and you're never going to accomplish any trick shots yeah whereas this guy decided to put all of his points into just you know being someone who's real good at blacksmithing and he's the town blacksmith and he does blacksmithing <laughs> and he loves his mommy very much <laughs> yeah i just it's so weird that they went this way and they, they were like, oh, genre conventions and big damn hero and all that stuff. But by the way, don't try to do those things. Yeah. Whenever you have a movie thing about especially genres that go above and beyond your standard human stuff mm -hmm. and then they don't take that into account when they're talking about what you can or can't do, it's it's just a feels bad because you're like, oh, you're trying to make me make a movie, but. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, that is primarily a failure of the examples that they provide in the book, uh, which I, I, I'm loath to say is really all, like the worst thing about the game is that they'll be like, it's impossible to cut a button off someone using fencing. That's crazy because it's such an easy thing to fix and just go, no, it isn't. That's a genre convention. If you're in a genre where that's relevant, it's a normal thing that happens because your character is a big hero. Yeah. And honestly, shouldn't even be a thing where you reference a chart of skill versus whatever. Because in a cinematic thing, being able to go, oh, I take a dude's button off with my sword. Did that affect the plot in any way outside of establishing the kind of character I am? Yeah, I mean, no. Mate, then who cares? Yeah, it could potentially, if you're like, I cut a button off the villain, further enraging him. I mean, that's something. It's in there, but it shouldn't be hard to further enrage. Because the thing is, there are a lot of other ways you could do it. You could just be like, hey, buddy. Fuck you. <laughs> I give him the finger. It's the same shit. It, the only difference is that you're doing it in a way that is cinematically relevant to your character and also harder to do for some reason. Yes. 
So there you go. I would also say this one has a weird failing in it in that all of the scenes it presents are presented in terms of having a main character, a main love interest, and a bunch of friends who play like the goofball friends. And there's a lot of presentations of like, can these fellows save sweet Polly Ann? You're like, God, I hope sweet Polly Ann isn't a character. (laughs) I I hope that's not a player who you're forcing to play the victim. Um, And and the it's just got constant gender role reinforcement in it, which feels very weird. Uh, there's all these shots of like a hero getting the girl, and I'm like, "Are you? Have you played a LARP? I don't uh, think you've played a LARP." Well, this isn't a LARP, my friend. No, it's it's well, you're certainly supposed to clear all the furniture out of your living room before you play it. That's part of it. There's a whole section on how to craft your stage. Oh yeah, well, they also have an entire thing where they're like, "Oh, when you're doing stuff, you should be doing it. Act out everything." That your character does, unless it's something you literally cannot do. Yes, but also be hyper descriptive about it. Uh, so whenever you're like, I need to swing a sword at that bad guy. Also, I need to be like, note how I swing the sword. A coruscating trail of wind falls from behind the blade. And you're like, okay, are you acting or are you narrating a story? It, yeah. It's weird. They didn't quite feel, it doesn't feel like they were aware of which one they wanted it to be. Is this a fireplace storytelling oral tradition thing or an improvisational acting enterprise? Meh. Eh. Maybe. It, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's certainly time to talk about our favorites and least favorites. Great. You ready to do that? Sure. What's your favorite thing in the game? Oh, God. There's very little in this game that I actually like. Uh... I'd say probably my favorite thing is at least the attempt to make things descriptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't nail it, obviously, no. but it's still like, you know, instead of just saying I swing my sword, actually, you know, set the scene. Mm-hmm. And I do like that. I like the idea of having things be more immersive in that way and i appreciate a game that wants you to do that yeah uh so at least in this i'd say my favorite thing is the desire for descriptive role play sure i think that's fair all right what about you uh, i'm gonna go with the plot point mechanic not having any ambiguity to it i mean there's the closest thing it has to an ambiguity i was really expecting a point where they'd, they'd introduce the concept of plot point bargaining. I was really expecting to see that, where it'd be like, ah, oh, my character spends a plot point to make it true that the gorilla committed the crime. And the and the uh, director would say, like, that's a stretch. For that to be true, you're going to need to spend three plot points. That or the director has his own pool of plot points, and he can counter yours with his own, so you'd better get into a bidding war. Yeah. Instead, the advice is largely, hey, if it is stupid that the gorilla committed the, the, the crime... Let the players think that's true. Let it be temporarily true and then have it be a twist reveal that the gorilla was set up or something like that, where it gets it back to your correct, your true vision story. That's still bad. Like if your players want to make it a fun story where they chase a gorilla who committed a, I don't know, let's, let's say that the crime was embezzlement and that's why it's so weird. Because <laughs> I was going to say, what are we, Edgar Allan Poe right now? <laughs> but but um, if the players are telling you what they want the story to be, listen. Yeah. That's fun. That's what collaboration is. Yeah. I mean, you can tell them, hey, guys, I don't want you to spend a plot point to make the the embezzler a gorilla. Please don't do that. Uh, that would be bad for the story, and it's not what I did here this week. But if you're neutral to it, and the only response you have to that that is, that's dumb, 
That's dumb isn't a good enough excuse to stop a role play. <laughs> it never has been, and it won't be into the future. Uh, so I didn't care for that, but I did like the unambiguous nature of spending a plot point with any one of your relevant traits or descriptors or anything, and something is true now. I, I That was the only bit of this game that had any stability to it. Yes. I mean, for God's sake, the initiative system in this game has five ways it can work, and then underscores all of them with that. The, but uh, at any time, any one of them may not work, because the director might just tell you it goes first. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, it might be highest coordination, which you wouldn't know anyway. Yeah. Uh, or it might be who's closest to the action object, like if you're diving for a gun. Uh, and I'm like, well, wouldn't that be sure the thug's closer to the gun, but I have a higher coordination and I'm going to get there first? No. Or it might be settled by some other crazy thing. But ultimately, the director will just tell you who goes first. Yeah. So when there's one thing that's ambiguous, you can just spend a plot point and you accomplish something. It was a beacon for me. It was an anchor. I appreciated that. Yeah, because it was an actual system in a game of dumb garbage. Yep. What was your least favorite thing? Oh, there's a lot to pick in here. I think the worst thing for me, God, I really want to say it's that resolution system chart. The, Take it. I mean, the the whole crunch to righteous, wow, righteous, right, righteous is the best, followed and, shortly by boss. And none of it makes sense. You can essentially look at it and go, well, I guess I can try and break this up into tiers of you succeed or you don't mm -hmm. but even then again having it be like 12 different ones instead of it being you don't succeed you barely succeed you super succeed you super fail like that's at least one where i go okay great yeah but the difference between you know crunch and woe is just I don't, I don't know. I we've, don't know what that is. We've harped on this a bunch of times on a bunch of games in the past. Whenever you replace a numerical chart with a list of words, you better be damn sure that the words aren't just synonyms to each other. Difficult. Hard. Yeah. And when you're like, I can't remember which is harder between hard and difficult, then you're, you're not doing it. And here you're seeing things like, okay, but how much better is hmm than maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Especially considering they put maybe above okay. I don't know that they did. I'm not sure. No, but if they did, that's one of the things where I look at it and I go, I wouldn't put it past them. And yeah. if they did, I'd go, okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> any of this makes sense. It doesn't to me. No. Uh, those char Anytime you see those charts where it's a list of words, if it's like five of them and they're easily memorized and they're very descriptive... Fine. I and they get, all mean different things. I get why you're doing it. Maybe they mechanically interact later on down the road in a way that will make sense. If you're like easy, medium, hard. Great. Everyone knows what those mean. They are not ambiguously related to each other. They have clear delineated relationships to each other. They might as well mean one, two, three. Yes. I get it. But if you're like easy, simple, <laughs> uncomplex, child's play, <laughs> you're like, don't give me all of these various things, especially in a system where I'm going to look at that and then just decide for myself anyway. Yeah. I can I'm right there with you. That 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 thing is very bad. The chart being there at all just makes me frustrated because they're like, look, we've got a resolution system. Haha, <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think you already know what my least favorite thing is. It is repeatedly brought up in the book and I hated it every time. It is the it is the descriptions of how your players, if given any information at all, will ruin things. Yeah, I cannot abide the sheer lack of trust in your friends that this book suggests. Yeah, and that's it's the kind of thing where I know that there are DMs and people out there that run a game 
that they're like, what I want is the pure human reaction yeah. to a thing that happens. I'm going for cinema verite. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, but you can't complain if your players do stuff that you didn't want them to do because you didn't tell them what you wanted them to do. It's also ultimately pointless that the, uh, sure, you can add decimals in this game. They do make a point of mentioning that the stats range from 0.0 to 10.0, so there should be a fairly wide range. It is effectively a percentile system, uh, but there's never a person who has like a 3.4 in anything. The most they give them occasionally is halves. Oh, yeah, and they even say in the book, they're like, oh, we we usually just do it by halves. Yeah. I'm like, okay. What that does, and here's here's... A little personal story as to why I hate this kind of shit so much, and I've told the story on the show before, because you, you, you know, that I played in a D&D game. It was the first D&D game I ever played in. The DM wouldn't let the players know their own stats, because real people don't know their own stats. You rolled them behind a table. He had seven players in that game. Do you know what we spent all of our time doing when we weren't playing the game? <laughs> I don't know. Take a simple guess. Is it trying to figure out what your stats were? Yep, we just did it like it was a logic puzzle. We'd be like, well, you missed that orc when you rolled a 12, but I hit that orc when I rolled a 14. There And he did another thing where he had, that, okay, oh, we figured it out. You have a 13 dexterity. Math accomplished. We did. That's all that's going to fucking happen. Oh, yeah. If you're trying to keep hidden information and the, non- the hidden information is six, people are going to figure out six. <laughs> it's uh, not worth it. It's not worth the time. It doesn't actually create the pure human reaction you expect it does. You know what does? Good acting. You know what brings about good acting? Trust information information i know that my character is a little weakling and i tell you that and they're like yeah you got it too you're gonna be pretty weak you're like great i'll play to that but if i give you a description and you decide hmm two but i thought i told you a description of four then I'm going to start trying to do things yeah. that I shouldn't, and it will make no sense Pl- in the I movie. Mean, the book actually tells the, the director to, to treat uppity responses to skill descriptions harshly, where they're like, if they turn in something, it's like, oh, I can leap tall buildings in a single bound. I'm stronger than a, than a locomotive. They're like, put a four there, because fuck that guy. Yeah. You're like, don't do that. They told you what they want to play. Ugh. Fuck this game. I also think it's funny that, uh, unrelated, that is my least favorite thing, the lack of trust, repeated reassertions to the d to the director to not trust the players with any information or tell them to do anything it's bad uh there is there's something minor capstone there's a a section where it's like super clark kent uh or superman described described as mild-mannered clark kent uh fights crime while he works for a major metropolitan newspaper and fights for truth justice in the american way and then it says anonymous as the source for who said that because this is one of those books that has quotes from like jesus and stuff in it that quote's not anonymous. It's the it's the opening screen to the 1952 Superman serial. It was written by the screenwriter of the 1952 Superman serial. That shit's on Wikipedia. <laughs> you can look it up. You can look it up. You could have looked it hey, up in 1993. 93. I know, I know, but it was possible. It, it's it certainly was not an anonymous. It's not like that shit is some some ageless quote that no <laughs> an one remembers. Apocryphal <laughs> thing that someone may have said. <laughs> it's it's not like. Uh, you know, oh, don't hang noodles from my ear. Russian proverb. It's it, it's words from a TV show. <laughs> it's got a history. Just I just thought that was funny. Anyway, that's the end. Would you play this game? Oh, good Lord, no. I <laughs> no. I hate this game viscerally. <laughs> I see no point to playing this game. If I want to get together with my friends and do an improv day of exercise pretending to be like wizards or something... The, the rules in this book are exactly as nebulous as just not having rules. Oh, yeah. The thing is, I'm like, oh, you know what would fix this game? 
not having a director. Yeah. Oh, and they mentioned that over and over again throughout the book. There's a lot of references to either directorless or what they call nebulous director play, where the director shares a lot more of the responsibilities. But the full extent of nebulous director play is going to be covered in a future book. Yes. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, not a, not a chance. I, I wouldn't play this because what would be the point? No. What, if I want a, if, if I want a LARP, there's probably a LARP that covers that story. Uh, or or I, if not, then this is no different than me just standing around and being like, but I have an invisible force field that protects me from heat. Yeah. It's the same shit. Because ultimately, the arbitrator of whether or not you do is the director who's going to be like, nuh-uh, which is exactly the same as if I was a 10-year-old pretending to be a superhero to another 10-year-old. <laughs> uh, no, would not play. Yeah. And there you have it. So uh, I guess that's that. So, hey. Uh, if you want to hear us, I don't even know how we're going to make characters. We're going to improv some characters and come up with descriptions. <laughs> I don't know what the, I guess we'll have to come up with a setting and then improv in a couple of characters for yeah. it. And then afterwards we'll be, we'll just meanly assign each other stats. You have straight threes. You have straight zeros. You have, you're a baby. <laughs> you're, 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 a you're a baby who dreams of being a hero. <laughs> oh, really? Well, you're an electric sheep, you fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Well, at least an electric sheep has a two strength. Fuck you. <laughs> Not this one. It's a baby electric sheep. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, at any rate, uh, yeah. If you want to hear us make these characters somehow, then all you have to do is go support us on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. You hey. go over to patreon.com slash system mastery. You give us the bargain basement low and $1 level, and you buy into all of our bonus content on system mastery. Yeah, yeah, you're in for a good time. And, and to the many, many people, this book was written by a freaking ton of people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your game sucks. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean... <laughs> sorry, you I had was, a bad idea. I was hoping it'd be really good. <laughs> Actually, you had a good idea and executed it poorly because it was 1993. Yeah, I, 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 I know we'll probably be contacted because there's so fucking many of them that there's definitely one of them is no still somebody. around and mad on twitter yeah there's got there's gonna be one there's gonna be a six degrees of separation to somebody in this <laughs> maybe greg stafford's fine oh wait he died like four or five years ago never oh, mind maybe kevin bacon <laughs> maybe ganja indica will no longer be our friend oh no oh buddha head doesn't like me oh but i watch him on twitch all the time uh, eh. <laughs> okay well anyway yeah go to the patreon support us at the one dollar level that's patreon.com slash system mastery to unlock the bonus content you will unlock so much crap because we've been doing this for forever and one dollar buys it all yeah um, plus you have to keep paying us dollars like every twice twi twice a month that's 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 the that's the covenant that's the pact you enter into <laughs> it's like two dollars a month really oh yeah and there's more levels yeah if you didn't just want all the bonus content for system mastery you can jack up how much you're giving us you can get all the bonus content for Expounded Universe, all the bonus content for Movie Mastery. You can get our Afterthought Monthly Show. You can get various bits and bobbles on our Discord. We got stuff. We sure do. And otherwise, why not go give us a nice rating review or wherever you listen to our podcast. Whatever podcast app you use, give us a five star to help people find us. And that would be a big help. So, hey, thank you so much for listening. Hey, uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Hey. Hey. Hey, Earth to John. Hey. I'm thanking you over here. Webster's Dictionary defines thank. <laughs> Pronounced th-ank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and we'll see you again real soon. Have a good week. <laughs>